0: In John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31, we read a story post-resurrection where the Lord Jesus Christ already returned from the dead, who's already risen from the dead. But, it's interesting, an event can happen and you not benefit from it. So the disciples even though he had risen from the dead, still were not benefiting from this amazing, most important moment of history. So we come to this story on that third day when he is risen from the dead. In John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31, it says as follows. Then the same day at evening, notice it was at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, Where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. Say that with me, peace be with you. And that's what I would like to title today's message, peace be unto you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. It's interesting that they didn't react until he showed him or showed them the hands and the sides. So even though they saw him, they were like perplexed. They didn't know what to do. So Jesus said again to them, peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them if you retain the sins of any, of any they are retained and now thomas called the twin one of the 12 was not with them when jesus came the other disciples therefore said to him we have seen the lord so he said to them unless i see in or rather unless i see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side i will not believe now some people challenge Thomas because, they said, wow, what a doubter. Call him Thomas, or Doubting Thomas, right? But all of them doubted. Every single one of them scattered. Every single one of them did not believe that he would come back from the dead. They were actually quite surprised when uh, he died on that cross because they were not expecting that. They were expecting something totally different. So it continues to say this. After eight days, the disciples were Again inside, and Thomas this time was with him. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be to you. Again, there's that thing when Jesus comes, peace comes. And he said to Thomas, Thomas, reach your finger here, look at my hands, reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Yet these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. I love this, how uh, Jesus presents to Thomas with love. He didn't challenge him. He didn't rebuke him. He loved on him. And notice... Even though he came back from the dead, he still had that body. But it's interesting. The body wasn't bleeding out anymore. Uh, The body had the visible scars. So he had a a, a body that was a little different than ours. So it's amazing to consider how God can do amazing miracles with our lives, with our bodies, with our futures and our destinies. Look what happened with Jesus, right, in this earthly realm. The Bible says over 500 people saw him. So there was over 500 witnesses. So this was a big, marked historical event. When you look at the, the scrolls uh, throughout history, it talks about the witnesses that saw Jesus. So this is why this is something that is not contested. It's an amazing... Heat. Actually, it's the most amazing feat in history, the most amazing experience in history. Easter proved that Jesus Christ was who he claimed to be. He said... I am the Son of God. Nobody else could challenge that. Nobody else would say that, but he dared to say that. He said, I'm the Son of God. I'm the way to heaven. And to prove it, I'm going to let them put me to death. See, because they did not really put him to death on their own. He let them. He gave his life. He said, I'm going to die on the cross for everyone's sins, and three days later, I will come back to life. And that's exactly what he did. Praise God. So you could trust this Jesus. Amen. And if there had been no Easter, no resurrection, there would be no forgiveness of our sins. There would be no hope of heaven. There would be no purpose in living. This is literally the most important event. It's interesting and ironic that when Jesus Christ was crucified and he died on the cross, all of his followers fell apart. All of his followers were devastated. They were scattered to the winds. See, they they were expecting something different. They wanted a strong Messiah to come to deliver them from Rome. And when they saw him getting beat up, they said, Oh, hold on a second. This is not playing out like what we thought. It was pretty bad here. They wanted a theocracy, you know, a government that, that God was in charge. But suddenly it didn't happen. Suddenly he's being killed between two thieves on a cross. What did we miss, they said. How did we mess this up when Jesus Christ was arrested? All of the followers, the ones that were the disciples, all of them ran away. They fled like cowards. Some even denied that they knew him. They all just scattered to the winds. So, for several days until Jesus rose again, these guys, these disciples, they were discouraged, they were defeated, they were disillusioned, they were demoralized. Because let me tell you, that was very demoralizing. They walked with him for three and a half years, they served with him, they saw him do miracles. They saw him multiply food. They saw him walk on water. So certainly this must be the next king. And suddenly he's being beat up. Some, suddenly he's dying on the cross. That's very demoralizing. They had left their families, some of them. They had left their businesses to serve with him. And suddenly the hope, their hope is gone, shattered. They were totally demoralized. And they were depressed. So in a word they were feeling lost and they were all running on empty. lost. And running on empty. So they were in that room in the evening time. I don't think there were many words that were spoken. They were all depressed. They were fearful. The Bible says they were afraid. My God. But three days later, thank God, on Easter Sunday, Jesus Christ comes back to life. And that very night, Easter Sunday, evening, late in the evening, he goes and meets with his followers, the disciples. So what happened in that room forever changed them into amazing evangelists. Amazing apostles, amazing leaders. Those who were once cowards are now full of courage. Those who were once empty are now empowered. Those who were once defeated and discouraged and demoralized are now becoming daring individuals, full of boldness, afraid of nothing and no one. They're ready ready to take on the Roman Empire and the entire world. They have ultimate confidence. Wow, because of that chance meeting? No, no, Jesus set that up. They have ultimate confidence, full of joy. They're not even the same people anymore. They're incredibly, incredibly, incredibly empowered. What happened? What changed them? How did Jesus refill their empty tanks when they were running on empty, when they were discouraged, when they were disillusioned? So how many of you have ever been in that situation where you run out of gas? Man, that happened to me that was so embarrassing. Years ago, my car stopped working, and so I called a mechanic. They they picked the car up, and so they bring it to to the place where, you know, he would repair the cars. And so after checking it out, he calls me. He said, Victor, it would help if you put gas in the car. (laughs) Needless to say, I was very embarrassed. But I thank God that hasn't happened to any of you here. But it's interesting because it, it sort of parallels this story. Because many of us are running empty spiritually. We're running empty emotionally. We might be running empty physically. We might be tired. We, we might be demoralized. You know, life beats us up. How many have been beat up this last year? Maybe not physically, but man, life can give you a series of wallops. And sometimes it comes at you left, right. I mean, it hits you blindside. You don't know. But thank God, today it's Easter, and we are reminded that the Lord Jesus Christ is here to reboot us, to strengthen us, to encourage us. Praise God. I don't know what kind of year you've had, what kind of month you've had, what kind of week you've had. Maybe you might be out of gas. Maybe you might be tired. Maybe you might be at the end of your rope. Maybe you're ready to resign. You must, ah, listen, I don't even want to be part of the human race. You're, you're frustrated. You might be fatigued, fearful, and weary. Sick and tired of being sick and tired? But I got good news to you today. There are various things that Jesus did in those series of verses that I want to share with you today. To let you know, to encourage you today, this Easter day. So I'm going to share seven things with you. And the first thing that Jesus did for these men is it says, In the same day at the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear... It says, Jesus came and stood in their midst. What's the first thing? He went right to them. And today, I want to let you know, Jesus is not waiting just for you to come to him. He's already come to you. And he's been pursuing you. And he's been after you. And the Spirit of God has been wooing you. And the Spirit of God has been reminding you that he loves you. The disciples were scared to death. They were afraid. They were hiding in a room with the doors locked. When you're running on empty, Jesus doesn't wait for you to come to him. He comes to you. Remember the story of the prodigal son? When the son finally came to his senses and he says, you know, I got to come back home. Even as a servant, it's better to live over there than what I'm doing. So on his way far off, the father sees him and the Bible says the father starts running to the son. Wow, what tenderness, what precious tenderness. And that's what God is doing for you. He's running to you to help you. He understands your issues, understands your problem. It says there that it it was late that Sunday evening. The disciples had been gathered together behind locked doors because they were afraid of the authorities. When Jesus came, he stood uh, stood among them, and he, he said what? He says, peace be unto you. So it was late. Have you ever been so tired, so upset that you can't go to sleep? This is what's happening to these guys. They hadn't slept probably for a couple of days. They had emotional highs, emotional lows. They, they went through the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion, and the death and the burial of their great leader. These guys are emotionally spent. No more energy. They're drained. They can't even go to sleep. It's late in the evening. Most of them probably didn't sleep for days. What is it that they were trying to hide? One great coach said this, said this. He said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. When we're tired, when we're overspent, it makes us tired. Many times when we're tired, we make bad decisions. So these guys were probably second guessing themselves. He says, What did we do wrong? They were probably feeling guilty. They were probably guilty that they had left him. Oh my God, what did we do? Was he not really God? Were we deluded? What are we going to do now? We've left our businesses. They're going to get us. They were second-guessing themselves. It says they were behind locked doors. Say with me, locked doors. See, locks are put on doors to keep people out. But The amazing thing is locks also keep us locked inside. It's interesting. Have you locked God out of your life? Anybody? Many times we lock God. We lock prayer out of our life. We lock friends we lock our co-laborers out of our lives, and that creates, many times, fear. Fear creates a self-imposed prison. Jesus says to us today, I want to release you from your fears. Why? Because it says that we're locked in because they were afraid. Are we afraid today? Many people are afraid. We're afraid of different things. We're afraid of the finances. We're afraid of what we're hearing. We're afraid uh, that particular people might enter the presidency. Oh, boy, we're afraid, right? Right? <laughs> We're afraid of so many things. Every time we look at the news, we're afraid. I don't know about you, but every time I, I, I look at uh, Channel 7 Eyewitness News, one of the things that gets me is that they always look for somebody to talk to if something happens in the community. And invariably, somebody will say this. Say, yeah, things like that never happen in our community. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? Yeah, right. Where in the world do you live? Even if you were the only person living in that community, something would go wrong because you would make sure something goes wrong. Because the issue is with us many times. Truthfully, there's so many things happening, and it does not encourage us many times. I don't know about you, but does the news encourage you? It doesn't encourage me. So you know what I've learned to do? I missed the first 15 minutes of it, wait for the weather. And then I listen to the weather, and I fast-forward a little more, and, 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 and then I get depressed again because then I find out that my Knicks lost again. <laughs> the, the sports. Yeah, I go to the sports, basically. So, <laughs> so the news doesn't encourage you too much, but lately the Knicks have been doing well. So, you know, hey, you got to respect them. Give them their props. They've been doing pretty good. So thank God Jesus suddenly showed up. And it's interesting, they didn't even recognize he was there. Could it be that God is right next to you? Jesus has been wooing you. He's been touching your heart, and you're not even recognizing it? But today, God wants you to recognize that he's after you. Say to your neighbor, he's after you. He knows your circumstance. He knows the situations, And you might feel that God is a million miles away, but he's not. He's right there. Say to your neighbor, he's right with you. Never leaves you. Never forsakes you. So the second thing he does, he gives us encouragement. Because that's what he did. He said to them, peace be unto you. He knows that they were messed up. He knows they were upset, they were disillusioned, discouraged. But Jesus, instead of going in there to beat them up, has it ever happened to you? I remember when I was a teenager, one time this dog came after us. A street dog came after us. And I was with about seven friends. And when I looked around suddenly, the dog's coming at me. All my friends left me. One guy jumped on a car. The, the other guy literally climbed a telephone booth. And the other guy just plum ran away. And so when I looked, none of them, I was like, help me, help. Nobody was there to help me. And the dog was there. His teeth were just coming at me. And, he, and just when he jumps at me, I remember a move I learned in karate class. <laughs> it's called the front snap kick. And it just happened, I got lucky. Because as soon as I did the front snap kick, I front snap kicked him right in the nose. And that's the one place you want to front snap kick a dog that's after you. So he ran away. So I just stood there. (laughs) You know, because my my friends, a couple of my friends were across the street. The guy in the telephone, but you could come down now, come on. I, I got everything under control. The guy in the, other, in the top of the car said, yo, Vic, that was a nice move. That's right, man. Don't mess with me, man. Don't mess with me. <laughs> Inside of me, I'm saying, wow, am I lucky. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is many times we need encouragement. But Jesus is always with them. So the first thing he tells me, listen, I'm with you. Peace be with you. It's like he was saying, calm down, guys. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to take it against you. You all left me. But you know, he didn't say that. He said, peace be with you. Have you ever been betrayed before? Have people left you before? Well, these men, all of them, every single one of them left the Lord. And what does he do when he first meets them? He loves Andal. My God. First thing, they were defeated, demoralized. He said, peace be unto you. I love it. He could have really gotten back at them. He says, listen, from now on, I want to pick another crew. You, no longer disciples. I'm going to get some others. No, he didn't do that. He loved Andal. And that's the love of God that God expects us to share with others. As he loves us, he expects us to share with others too. It's the truth of the matter is, we all blow it. I'm serious. We all blow it. Who here has not blown it? But I find that there's a strong... It's, it's almost like a strong spirit of unforgiveness that has swept this nation. We're so quick to get angry with each other and we don't want to forgive. We, we, we just... We're hard against each other. No, God says no. Peace be unto you, and you have to take that peace to you and share that with your family and friends. Because even among your families, many of you haven't spoken to some of your loved ones for many time, uh, for many years rather. I'm sorry, and it's because of that thing that has gotten in the way. And sometimes we don't even know what it is anymore. We don't even remember what it is. But yet, thank God. That today he reminds us that that same peace he's given us, we can give to other people. So he encouraged them. What does he do when you're running on empty? He encourages you. Why did he do that? Well, he did that because he wanted to mentor to them what he had mentored before. Remember when he washed the feet before? He said, I'm here to serve you. And in the same way, you need to serve each other. That's one of the ways we could serve one another. When you see somebody really angry, calm them down. Peace be unto you. I don't know. Peace be unto you. Calm down. Chill out. It's all right. We're going to get through this. How can I help you? Somebody's got to be the adult in the room. Somebody's got to be the one that's got it all together. Has there ever happened in your job where they lose it? My God. We've got to allow the love of God to flow through us, even as Jesus shared it with them. God understands how you feel more than you understand how you feel. He understands exactly how you feel so he could relate to you. You know, he lived in this flesh. He lived in this body. He suffered betrayal. He suffered sadness. He, he cried, the Bible says. There were times where he wept. There were times he got angry. Remember one time uh, they were selling trinkets outside of the church? He got angry, man. He, and, he, and he took out his belt and he did a Hispanic thing. Yeah, I mean, when I was raised, my, my, when I was being raised, my dad, he, he, was, he was a magician with a chancleta, ch- no, no, my mom was a chancleta, you know, that's the, you know, what do you call it in English? The slipper. They were, they were magical. But my dad was the belt. And, you know, he, he did that, you know, that's it, man. I, and see, I, I, was, I was real, I was good because I knew how to run. And I knew every nook and cranny in the house, and I would just shut myself you know, I would lock the door, exactly. Sometimes we're avoiding dads with, with belts. But the truth of the matter is, Almighty God, He loves us, and He understands exactly what we are going through. The Bible says, don't worry about anything, but pray and ask God about everything you need. Always giving thanks. He says, you've got two alternatives in life. You can pray or panic. But notice it says, pray and give thanks In all things. It doesn't say thanks for all things. I'm not going to thank God when I'm going through uh, or for a problem that I'm going through. I'm going to thank God in the midst of the problem. Because I don't like the problem too much. But I love the fact that he's with me. Amen? But I've also noticed something. I grow the most when I'm going through hard times. I grow the most when I'm dealing with very difficult supervisors. I grow the most when people hold me accountable. But yet, we're a generation, we don't want nobody telling us what to do. But the truth of the matter is, we are at our best when we have coaches, when we have mentors, right? Isn't that true? How many of you here uh, are going to the Olympics? (laughs) Anybody? 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 (laughs) You know why we're not going to the Olympics? First and foremost is because we... It's almost as we made a decision not to, right? We made a decision not to pursue it. If you pursue it, you might not get there, but you will be far better off. You know why? Because once you decide to go to the Olympics, you're going to first bring on to your team coaches, excellent coaches. You know what those coaches are going to do? They're going to beat you up over and over every day, several times a day. Nobody's saying amen anymore. We avoid the very people that can make us great many times. Life will always have difficulty. Uh, David one time said this, King David. He says, God, it was good that I was afflicted. So I could learn about your love. So I could learn about your grace. Isn't that amazing? David went through afflictions and he asked God to deliver him from the afflictions. But later on he says, you know, it was good that I went through afflictions. You know why? Afflictions make you sensitive. They make you discerning. They mature you. I remember when I was a teenager, age 18, I got my first real job. I had other jobs before, but my first real job, where I got into a union and, 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 and you know, I had a uniform. And I, man, let me tell you, that boss was the most horrible boss in the world. Every time I was late, he would hold me accountable. He was a horrible boss. And he didn't do it nicely either. He would go up to me with his finger. Victor, if you continue this, I'm going to fire you and walk away. And i would go, wow, what a horrible man. Doesn't he understand that the train was delayed? Doesn't he understand that I didn't iron my clothing, so I had to take a little extra time to iron the clothes? No mercy. But later on I said, you know, it was good that my boss afflicted me. Because I learned, actually, he was doing me a favor. But I thought at that time he was such a horrible person, I, I found out later on that if I want to play at Olympic level maybe not Olympics, that, but in my job, if I want to do well, if I want to thrive, if I want to be on the top echelon, if I want to be a top flight employee, I need to be on time. Not just on time, I need to be early. I need to, I need to hand in all my assignments before the allotted time. I need, I need to give more than what they ask me. I need with a straight face, if they come at me with all that they have, say, so Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. It'll get done. Even if they don't say thank you. Right? So we learn life's afflictions many times are just training for us to be excellent ministers, to be excellent fathers, excellent mothers, excellent uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, as it were. It's important that we go through all of this. But in the midst of that, God is with you. Say to your neighbor, God is with you. In the midst of it. Don't worry Thank God about everything, because in the midst of it, he will teach you. God's peace, which is so great that we cannot understand it, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Praise God. The third thing is he shows us his love. When he went in there, he said, listen, look at my hands. Take a look at them. He was patient. Remember Thomas? Thomas said, I'm not going to believe in what you guys are saying unless I see him personally. Have you ever said something... Or done something and, and then they, they don't believe you? How do you respond to that? You don't trust me? You don't believe in me? Some people get offended. I, I know I have. When I do my best and they don't want to choose to believe me, I get offended sometimes. Excuse me, I've done my best here. With all due respect, I've done my best, right? No, but Jesus came in he says, listen, no problem. Let me give you as much patience and love as I need to encourage your faith. Let me, let me give you some love here. Thomas, come here. Take a look. It is I. I am here. Peace be unto you. He showed them love. Praise God. He held out his hands for all of them to see. He held out his hands like this. Look, I was stabbed. Look, I was speared. He showed them love. He said, it's me, guys. First and foremost, I'm validating my identity in your midst. I'm there with you. You're not seeing a vision. You're not seeing a ghost. You're not having an illusion. It's me. Praise God. Amen. So how does he help you and me when we're stressed out? Well, when we're stressed out, he reminds you that he loves you unconditionally. And I love this. I remember when I married my beautiful wife 38 years ago. We said, I do. She said, I do. We all said, I do. right? And then the minister says, okay, since you do, go and do. Right. And for thirty-eight years we've been doing the do. We've been <laughs> living together, married, and all this stuff. I found I found that sometimes I look at those vows and I say, Man, what in the world I got myself into? Right. <laughs> no. The truth of the matter is when I said I do, I I loved this woman then, and even today I'm still saying the same thing because I love her. Unconditionally. I realize that that momentary love and the honeymoon thing uh, was great, it was fun. But once life came in, now we've been forgiving each other and loving each other unconditionally. She has learned the good, the bad, the ugly of me. And I've learned the good, the bad, and the ugly of her. Right? And we still choose to love each other every day, and it's it's a constant journey. And it's a journey that we love and appreciate. And this morning we were coming to church in the car and we're talking, we're chatting and we're talking about life. And I'm looking at this. This is beautiful. Right. But the thing is, is because we employ what God gave us, unconditional love with each other. Amen. So we have to learn that God loves you unconditionally. Say that to your neighbor. That's a higher love than we would ever understand. But because of that, it takes the worry out of me. It helps me to, to live life in peace. Listen, God loves me. When I mess up, he still loves me. When I go before him, Father, forgive me. I, I blew it today. He says, I got you. I'm with you. Peace be unto you. Amen? God loves you. So say to your neighbor, he loves you. Unconditionally. In Romans 5.8, it said, God showed his great love for us. By sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. See, he loved us when we were messed up. He did for us while we were messed up. How many of you will do something for somebody and they're meanwhile stealing from you, ripping you off? How many will bring, oh, come home, have some coffee. Come to dinner. Meanwhile, you know, we, we wouldn't do that. But Jesus loved us while we were messed up. Number four, he offers us forgiveness. Thank God for forgiveness, because forgiveness is the key to happiness. Happy is the person whose sins are forgiven and whose wrongs are pardoned, the Bible says. Praise God. That is the circle of peace, when you know your forgiveness. Forgiveness is the key to happiness. Because of the cross and because of Easter, We have, or because Jesus, he rose again, we've been completely forgiven if we accept that forgiveness. That's the important thing. You have to accept the forgiveness. There are people in life that mess up. And then when they're forgiven, they don't receive it because they feel too far gone. No, no, this I can't. They can't forgive themselves. So today, have you forgiven yourself? Today, can you receive yourself as someone worthwhile, as as someone whom God loves? That's important. And from that forgiveness posture, you you, you receive God's forgiveness. Can you also forgive others? Now, having said that, there's some people you forgive, but you need to keep on walking because they're, they're still not going to do you well. So you need to have the wisdom. But the point is, you need to live a life of forgiveness. Well, what's the Our Father? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those, or the debtors, our debtors, those who trespass against us. See, so there's a reciprocal thing. We, we receive forgiveness, and in that strength, we're able to forgive others. Um, Jesus told them, if you forgive someone's sins, they're gone Forgive for good. rather. If you don't forgive the sins, what, what are you going to do with them? In other words, it's important for us to receive forgiveness. Forgiveness, and it's important for us to give forgiveness so that we can move on in life. And in the same way God forgave us, now we can forgive others. Now, having said that, is it easy? That's one of the most difficult things in life, to forgive somebody that has trespassed against you. It's one of the most challenging things, because emotionally I'm not there. So let me tell you something probably when you see this by revelation, you say, man, God says I have to forgive that person. Man, you have to get to the point where you do it as an act of faith. You have to do it as an act of understanding that God is telling you, go beyond your emotion and release that person so that you yourself could be at peace, right? And give them a chance to make that right too. Very vital. Forgiveness cleanses forgiveness reboots. See, And in in my relationship, for example, with my wife, we have rebooted 10,000 times. (laughs) Right? But that's precious because that is the beauty of forgiveness, that it allows relationships to continue going. I have found that most all of my successes have been based on my connections or my friendships or my relationships. But yet, In every one of those relationships, there have been times where those relationships have been tried and tested, right? Some relationships I don't have anymore, but I've done my best in most all cases to try to keep them at least peaceful. And invariably, I have been able to go back to that relationship and tap into something that has benefited my family or benefited benefited the church or benefited the community in some way, shape, or form. Have you ever heard the, the uh, refrain, uh, don't burn bridges? Yes. Never, ever burn bridges. You know why? In every relationship, or let me say in most relationships, there is some precious treasure that, that can be given back and forth. Yeah? I remember when I was ready to go, go back into my industry, and where I work, I had stepped away from it for a while. But... I had kept the card in my pocket one time years ago. This gentleman came to me. When you're ready to work for my company, just call on me, and I will get you a job. Why? It's because he had seen in me the potential of a good employee. We had a great uh, relationship. We spoke at different conferences together. And that relationship, every time I would see him, I would shake his hand. I would give him respect. You know, and I believe in that. I believe in every relationship there can be a... A give and take that would bless both parties. So what I did was every time I had a chance, I would give him his props. I would give him great respect. So he told me, if you ever need a job, let me know. You know what happened? Three years later, I kept that card in my pocket for three years. So one day, I said, okay, I'm ready to get back in. I took the card out, dialed the phone, right? Didn't get him. I got his voicemail. So I said, "How you doing, sir? It's Victor Nazario. I remember when you told me that when I'm ready, that you'd you know get me hired in your company. Well, guess what? I'm ready. What do I need to do next?" And I hung up. The next day, say with me, "Next next day. I love it when I don't have to wait. I hate when I have to wait two to three months. The next day, one of his admins calls me. So listen, you're recommended by our president. Uh, we need you to come in right away for an interview. I went, okay. When? Today. I went there, got an interview. They literally set up another one the next day, set up a third one the the following day, set up a fourth one the next day. And within a week, I was hired. Amen. Amen. But the key to that, the key to that was, I believe God's grace, obviously, but also the fact that I was willing to pursue a relationship to keep it peaceful, to keep it respectful, to keep it open. So right now, I want you to think a moment. Are all your relationships open? Have you lost some relationships because you've lost your temper or they've done something to, to block the relationship? Seek to keep most all your relationships at least in a peaceful, open place because... Because of forgiveness, things can come to you that might not have come to you otherwise. If, if, if you just get that point, let me tell you, you're going to have great advantages in the future. So he offers us forgiveness. Praise God. The fifth thing he gives us, fifth thing, is he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Praise God. The Holy Spirit is God. And he he says, uh, Jesus said before he went on the cross, he says, listen, I'm going to send you the other comforter. You need this comforter. He's going to lead you to truth. He's going to give you strength. He's going to give you power. So you need the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And since then, the, the Holy Spirit has been active on earth, making sure that he indwells every single believer. First thing he does is when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit stamps you. The Bible says he actually stamps us for the day of redemption. So there's a mark. There is some, something that is recognized in the spirit realm. I don't know if this has happened to you, but on various occasions, people have come to me to harm me. And in each case, they have suddenly stopped, and they have said, no, no, we recognize people like you. We, we respect people like you. Huh? I don't get that. But yes, I do. They might not understand it exactly, but it's that association that I have with the Holy Spirit that gives me that edge in life. Without him, I, you know, there's nothing we can do. The Holy Spirit came to bless you. The Holy Spirit came to enlighten the word to you, to open up the word of God to you, his treasure. Otherwise, it's just a book. That's how come people could read the Bible and not even understand it. But the Holy Spirit will help you to understand The Holy Spirit will give you joy. He'll give you peace. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you dreams and visions. Amen? He will give you strength beyond your normal strength to deal with the vicissitudes and challenges of life. We need the Holy Spirit. So he breathed on him. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive relationship, personal relationship with my Heavenly Father. We're not going to leave you alone. We're coming to you. Again, he comes to us. Praise God. So stop feeling alone because he is with you. The sixth thing is he gives us a new reason to live. He says, Jesus said, peace be to you. As the Father sent me, I now send you. You were made with and for a purpose. God marked you and he created you uniquely. You're nobody's copy. You are an original. You are precious. You are special. And when he created you, he created you to be a blessing. He created you as a necessary part of this generation. You are not a mistake. You are precious. And when you come to Christ, he reveals to you what he created you for. So the sixth thing he did for these men is, listen, guys, I know you think you're failures right now, but you're going to turn the world around. You're going to be my evangelists. You're going to be my apostles. I'm sending you out, and you're going to do amazing things. Needless to say, within 15 years, they had preached in all of Asia Minor. I mean, they, they really, or around 21 years, they had canvassed a very large space and preached the gospel, shared God's love. I mean, they had seen miracles and signs and wonders, all because of the Holy Spirit within them, all because Jesus sent them. Say to your neighbor, you're a sent one. You need to see yourself as a sent one. Amen. And today, in this beautiful Easter day, he reminds you, I created you not just to be unique, but I created you with and for a purpose. You were not meant. Some people say, well, you know, if I would have been born in the early 1900s, I would have been better. Or in the 1800s. No, you would have been miserable. You would have been out of place. You're right at the right time and the right place. You have the right giftings, the right abilities. Some of you say, well, if I, if I would be like that person, if I, could, if I could sing like that person, or if I could play like that person, if I could be like that other person. No, no, be the best one God called you to be because you are unique, you're precious. When you understand that, you'll start respecting yourself more. You'll start honoring yourself more. You'll start realizing, oh, my God, I, got, I need to make this happen. I'm precious. God made me special. Say to, say to your neighbor, when he made you, he certainly broke the mold. That's right. And the last thing he did, look what he says to Thomas. He said, Thomas, do not be doubting. Stop doubting. Believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. The truth of the matter is that even uh, in our faith, the Bible says faith is a gift. Everyone receives a measure of faith. On various occasions in the Bible, people went up to Jesus and said, help me to believe. And in each case, Jesus would help them. He helps us even with our faith. Because there are many things that would cause us to doubt. The first thing that happens to cause us to doubt is the very enemy of our souls. Even from the beginning. One of the things that the, the enemy did, the, the serpent, remember the serpent talking to Eve? What did he say? He said, did God really say that? See, in other words, he planted a seed of doubt. And because of that, that messed with their head, it messed with Adam's head, and they both sinned. So he does the same thing today. Did God really say that? Does God really love me? Will he really help me? You know? Will, will, will God really help to iron this out? The answer is absolutely. Yes. He is with us. He is all powerful. He's greater than the enemy. So whatever the enemy is throwing your way, guess what? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible says. For man, things might be impossible, but for God, nothing is impossible. So I choose to wake up every morning and believe in the impossible. Yeah, 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 I believe in the impossible. You know why? 100 years ago, it was impossible to fly. 20 or 30 years ago, it was impossible for me to have a phone that had FaceTime. There was a time, I remember, that when the phone rang at home, you had to pick it up. Yeah, because you didn't know who it was. There was no answering machine. Nowadays, people are like this. They go, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I thought the finest game was when, when when that guy um, saved uh, the the princess from the dragon. Zelda. Not Zelda, no. It was Mario? not even no. It was it was beyond Mario. It was a, you had to memorize a certain amount of moves in order to, for the guy to actually. It was in a in, in a big uh, huh? No, not Tiger. no no But the point is, I thought that was it, man. Everybody arrived. I mean, we arrived. That's it. That was the most finest game. And today, I, I, I can play baseball like if I was actually playing it live in my house. Crazy stuff. Right now, they, they, have, a, um, they have glasses where you could get your email right on the glasses. Yeah. That's right. Right now, they're, they're working on robots that you could buy, bring them home, and, and they'll do most everything for you. In a couple of years, they're going to be cooking for us. I want me one of those, right? There's really nothing impossible. It's that we haven't discovered it yet. But in terms of God, God can do the truly impossible. Where we think things are dead, he brings life to them. And actually, I speak life right now to you. I say to you, that what you thought was dead is coming alive. I, I speak life to your dream, life to your prayer. I speak life to that which you thought was done, gone. I speak life to it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The people have written off, God's. In the, he, sometimes he's just in a mood to just do insane, crazy things just to show you his love. Hallelujah, amen. Jesus said, you believe because you've seen with your own eyes. Even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. Hallelujah. Will you be the one that believes today? Will you be the one that receives his peace today? Will you receive his love today? That's my question to you. And that's my challenge to you. God loves us. In the same way he dealt with those disciples in a loving way, he was present for them. He was there. He ran after them. He, he, he showed up. That's what we need. Some of you are asking God, show up, please. And he's here to say, yes, I'm showing up. I'm going to show up in your situation. I'm going to show up and I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to give you the grace you need. I'm going to give you the peace you need. I'm going to give you the wisdom you need. I'm going to give you the provision you need. I'm going to turn that situation around. I'm going to glorify my name in your situation. I'm going to turn around that evil thing. And I'm going to make it good. I'm going to bless you in the midst of it. Hallelujah. What the enemy meant for evil. I'm going to turn around for good. Hallelujah. Your best days are yet ahead of you. You haven't seen what God can do. And will do for you just yet. But you're on your way. You know why? You choose to believe. You choose to know that he is with you. Hallelujah. He lives inside of you, and His promises are real, and you're willing to trust Him. You know why? My God can be trusted, because He's faithful, He's good, He's powerful, He's gracious, He's an amazing God, and He loves us. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Bow your heads with me a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Easter. We thank You for this beautiful holiday that they celebrate on a national level. Not because we don't celebrate you every day. We, we celebrate you every day. But it's a wonderful time to be able to share your love, your grace with our friends and family members, Lord God. When somebody says Happy Easter, we can actually say, you know what Easter is really all about? We can share it with others. So thank you for your kindness. I pray, Father, for your people here today, for our precious guests, our family members, our friends. I pray that you would greatly bless them with your peace. Thank you, Father, that you say to us today, over 2,000 years later, you still say, peace be unto you. Bless them today with your grace and peace. Bless them today with a personal relationship. Even as you did with these men of old, let your presence come to us. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with encouragement today. Fill us with your grace. And we will give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Thank you for dying on the cross for us, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you died and you rose again for us. And that you're now seated at the right hand of the Father. Ever making intercession for us. Thank you. We love you. We praise you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. As I've shared this word with you, I would ask you to consider... How are you with your walk with God? Are you locked in? Have you not reached out yet? Well, I think it's time for you to reach out. I think it's time for you to realize he's not there to hurt you. He's only there to bless you. He loves you more than you'll ever know. I remember at age 15, I received the Lord Jesus Christ. And truly, it's been the best decision I've ever made in my life. He's never done me harm. He's always been with me. in the good, the bad, and the ugly, he's always been with me. And I realized that the best decision I could have made is allowing him into my life because he knows my future, my destiny. I remember on various occasions, he says, son, before you were born, I had a purpose for you. And throughout my life, he's been giving me signposts and directing me and helping me. And today, as I look back, I say, thank you, Lord, because you came into my life. I turned out to be a blessing. Not only did you bless me, you made me to be a blessing. And that's what he wants for you today. He wants you to be a blessing in other people's lives. So I'm going to pray this moment and I'm going to close the service. But if you would desire prayer, this is strictly a decision if you want to make. We're going to make this altar available for you. If you want prayer, if there's something you want us to pray with you about, we will love to do so. The same way he's ministered to us, we want to minister to you. You know, as you receive love and forgiveness, you give love and forgiveness to others. As you receive his mercy, you give his mercy to others. As others have prayed for you, you pray for others. I remember when I was a teenager, I had the great blessing and privilege to go to the Fresh Air Fun trip. Uh, they took me to Lancaster for two weeks, and I went there as a fresh air child, I guess. And I went with an Amish family, and I spent two weeks uh, during the summer months. And I had a great time. Six children were there, had a lot of fun. Then I came back to the city. Years later, I was around 38 years old, had my own children, married. I go back to Lancaster, and I remembered that family. And I remembered the feeling I had when I was there. And uh, I said, You know, hon, I'm gonna do something crazy. So I got on the phone. And I asked 411 to give me the phone number to Carl and Margaret Foltz. They impacted me so much I remembered their names. Listen, you tell me your name, in five minutes I won't even remember it. I have to actually labor sometimes to remember a name. I remembered their names. And I remember the the kids' names. And and so I dialed 411, can I have Carl and Margaret Foltz's number? And you know, they gave me the number. I went, whoa, this is weird. And so I dial it, and a, a lady picks it up. Uh, you could tell it's more of an elderly voice. I says, hi, is this Margaret Fultz? She said, is that you, Victor? That freaked me out. My hair stood on end because I hadn't spoken to her since I was, I think, 11 or 12. So I said, yes, it's me, Victor Nazario from New York City. I wanted to come and say hello. I'm married now. I'm, um, uh, you know, I have children. And I want to bring my children to say hello to you. I want to let you know that Being with you and your family was one of the nicest memories I have as a child. She says, I'm so glad to hear that. See, we did this as a ministry, and we've been praying for you all these years. So, in the same way I pray for others today, I remember that people prayed for me. I remember my great-grandmother told my father before she passed on, she says, says, son, my, my, uh, my heavenly father's calling me home. I'm not going to be able to see this. But the Lord told me to tell you, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be a minister. He's going to be like me. He's going to preach the word. Before I was ever born. Wow. So you don't understand. God has marked you. He loves you. He knows you more than you know yourself. And when we embrace his kindness... When we embrace his love for us. He's the creator. He knows us. He's not going to hurt us. He's going to love on us. And he's going to set us on a high place. On a solid place. He's going to set us on the rock. And as we serve and live life together with his direction, with his grace, you're in for a great adventure. The most awesome adventure you will ever experience.